Well, let me do some backtracking here. You know, we're in a, a series, if you're brand new, we're in a series called Overcomer. Last week, Pastor Aaron, I told him, I said, just encourage our people on, on Thanksgiving. He did an amazing job of doing that. Amen. Give him a big hug. And then... Um, I also appreciate this is on-the-job training from the Lord. There are times when, I mean, you know, as a pastor, you get up to preach on Sunday morning, and it doesn't mean necessarily that you're feeling great or that you've had a perfect week. But that's not part of the job description. And I've, I've watched my father over the years at times when uh, he was battling something physically or, or just had a, a, a rough week of ministry. Um, but he got up in the pulpit, and you know what? He preached the word of the Lord. And there are times when you're dealing with a fever or sickness, and you get up in the pulpit because you're supposed to be up in the pulpit, and you open your mouth, and you begin to declare the truth of God's word, and the Holy Spirit meets you. And I've seen that over and over again. When the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes, uh, the fever breaks, and the, the sickness goes, uh, and then sometimes, ironically, when you're done with your assignment, you go home and then you feel cruddy again for the rest of the day until it runs its course. I've had that happen as well. Uh, I've also been healed in the pulpit just from being obedient to the call of God on your life. So Pastor Aaron was fighting through that last week. Some of you may or may not know that, but uh, I think he had to go across the street after first service to change his sweaty shirt that, uh, where the fever broke, um, but uh, give the man a big hug. He's a faithful man, and uh, and I am still trying to figure out what time it is on 845. When does this service get over, Pastor Dick? Yeah. All right, we're just going to let it rip here. And it's waving me in the back. It should come back to me. I, I was out of the pulpit for a week. I forgot. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we shared a, uh, a really powerful message about standing in Christ's victory. And this is really, really important. And you might be saying here this morning, you know, Pastor, what do you mean standing in Christ's victory? And why are we talking about spiritual warfare? Remember, spiritual warfare is irrelevant if you are not partnering with Jesus in the plan of redeeming planet Earth. You know, if you're, if, you're, if you're just being religious and Sunday is something you just come to church and you just hit the time clock and, hey, God, I was here, you know, uh, just letting you know, um, you're, this whole topic is going to be irrelevant to you because spiritual warfare is only relevant when you're in a battle that's meaningful and uh, and unless you partner with the Lord and you have a vision not only to take ground in your own household, but you have a vision to rescue other people. I mean, there are people that are lost. There are people today, as we're ramping up to Christmas, there are people that don't know Christ and are going to spend eternity separated from God in hell. There are, are people who are here even this morning who are oppressed there's major challenges just because, as you all know, just because the holidays come around doesn't mean that we get, you know, raptured from planet Earth and we don't have to deal with the challenges all around us. You all know people who are going through tremendous challenges. And sometimes we get offended. Religious people get offended when, when I say what I'm about to say. If you're here today and you're oppressed, Jesus wants to set you free. If you're here today and you're sick, Jesus wants to touch and heal you. If you're here today and you're lost and you don't know Christ, God wants to save you today. 
Now you're saying, well, you know, pastor, how come you say that? How do you know that? How do you know for sure that that's what Jesus wants to do? Because this is why Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And this is what the Bible declares over our lives. And, uh, and if you don't believe this, then you failed in your most basic of, of assignments as a believer. You're, you're an unbelieving believer. So when someone comes up for prayer, why do we lay hands on them and why do we pray bold, faith-filled prayers? Because that's my simple job is to believe that the God who raised his son from the dead and conquered every enemy of ours is alive today and he wants to touch people today. That's our basic responsibility as believers. And let me just tell you, you'll never lay hands on a sick person to pray if you don't believe what Christ has already accomplished on the cross. You'll never do it. You'll never take the risk. You'll never pray. You'll never witness. You'll never do half the things that we're called to do as believers if you don't understand this message. So one of the most exciting things I could tell you today is that Jesus died not only to save you, but to make a disciple out of you so that you would join him and partner with him. Because how many of you know the Bible says God's his eyes range to and, th- uh, to and fro throughout the whole earth? He's looking for somebody. He's looking for people to stand in the gap. He's looking for people that will believe him. He's looking for people that will trust him and that will move forward and move the agenda of the kingdom forward. God's always looking for partnership from us. And, uh, and a church that simply is a sleeper that won't partner or that doesn't believe, I, I just grieve over that because that's the whole thing God's looking for is sons and daughters that will lock arms with him and be a part of the greatest rescue mission that planet Earth has ever seen. And I'm just telling you, if you join that mission, you better hear this message because there's weaponry that you need to win a war. And so we shared last week Standing in Christ's victory. Look at Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 37. Overwhelming victory. Can you say that with me? Overwhelming victory is ours. Let's personalize it. Overwhelming victory is mine through Christ. What is the thing you're struggling with this morning or the challenge that you're being faced with? Can you just declare, you know what, Satan? Overwhelming victory is mine through Christ. That's what, you, that's what you say with your mouth. Overwhelming victory is mine. Jesus is bigger than whatever the situation is that's facing me right now. And you begin prophesying and speaking. What, what is prophecy? It's declaring the word of the Lord. It's declaring the truth about the situation from a God-centered perspective, not from a human standpoint. We shared that we're not fighting for victories, we're fighting from victories, which is huge, which means I'm already standing in the place of victory and I'm appropriating. I am applying the victory that Christ has won for us already. Now, next Sunday, we're going to do something really powerful. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, once again. But we're going to celebrate it at the conclusion of the service because we're going to talk about one of our powerful weapons, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. And, you know, you should not just take communion when your church takes communion. You can take communion any day of the week. You can take communion with your family. You can take communion when you're going through a a challenge. You can sit down and say, we're going to celebrate the victory now. We're going to have a communion meal now. 
and we're going to remind ourselves of what Jesus Christ has done for us through his shed blood on the cross. Are you all hearing me this morning? Because this is not religious stuff or ceremony. This Christ is our life. And uh, communion with him is our life. And the more you get into the battle, the more you realize how much you need him and how much you need his blood applied in your life. So we're going to get into that next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. I shared with you also two weeks ago about a man by the name of Shammah who took his stand. The Bible says Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field, and he beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. This is that whole partnership thing. How many of you know God needs somebody who's willing to courageously stand in their being field? If no one was standing, there would be no victory. All there would be is retreat. But because one man stood, and remember, he stood when all of his brothers took off running. But I don't know if he's crazy or what, but he's just like going, you know what? This is my field. And if you guys think I'm going to roll over and run and whatever, forget it. I'm going to stand here and fight. And I don't care if it's one against a hundred or one against a thousand. I don't really care. It's the principle that matters right here. I ain't moving. This is my field. This is part of my family's inheritance from the Lord. And I'm going to stay here. And if I have to die in this bean field, I'm willing to die. Of course, because he had the courage to stand, God showed up and did a supernatural miracle and won the victory. But how many of you know in life, again, it takes courage to simply show up? You got to show up to the battle. And you got to stand toe-to-toe with your enemy. And you got to be able to start prophesying. We're going to get in in two weeks. We're going to talk about the powerful word of our testimony because the blood and the word go hand in hand. And you've got to know how to use them as weapons against the enemy. But it takes somebody to stand face-to-face and say, I'm not budging. Uh, And when you are willing to stand in faith, God will back you up and great victories will happen, supernatural victories. So let's talk a little bit about our warfare. Because like Shammah, we are at war this morning. And I want to read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, we're not fighting people, all right, flesh and blood people. But we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Now, this warfare involves all Christians, not just those in positions of leadership or authority. How many of you are talking really about the authority of the believer? We're talking about the authority that you have as a follower of Christ. This is not something that just pastors have or people that have some title. This is the authority that every believer has. So we're talking about warfare that involves all Christians. And the Bible says if you go to the King James Version, it talks about, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the, the picture here is of a wrestling match. Now, have any of you ever wrestled, any of the guys out here ever wrestled in, in high school or anything like that? I wrestled, I played, I played uh, baseball, I played basketball for a season, I played football. Can I just tell you, there is nothing as physically grueling and demanding as wrestling. The other thing that's scary about wrestling is, first of all, they make you put on this ridiculous singlet, <laughs> all right? Like not some baggy sweatpants or something. You got this little singlet thing on and you're walking out there. And what I noticed right away was when I played football, 
you know, we're kind of hidden in armor and we got this helmet on and no one can really see your face and you're on a field with a bunch of teammates. But when you wrestle, they put you in this little singlet and then you walk out on the mat and there's just you and your opponent. You can't blame anybody if you lose. Dude, you should have tackled him. No, that was your responsibility. No, no, no. no. There's just you. And you have to face your enemy. And you fight. And I remember when I was done, coming off the mat, my hands were like, I'd have to open my fingers up because they were so tight from holding on and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. My mom used to sit up in the far edge of the bleachers and she would wear gloves so that she wouldn't bite her nails because <laughs> let's just put it this way. Wrestling was what I did between football season and baseball season and I was not the greatest. So my mom would watch me get kind of whipped around. My head bounced off the mat a couple times. All of this while I'm wearing this incredibly cool outfit, all right? <laughs> So, the point is this, God's given us much cooler warfare than a, simply a singlet, all right? But, but you are wrestling your enemy, it's you against, against him. I mean, I want to make this real personal. How many of you know you, you do have some being, entity, spirit being assigned to work against your life and the purposes of God? Now, we don't say, well, Satan's against me. Well, I don't know that any of us are that important to have the, the head dog, all right? But we have demons. The, the, the earth is full of unseen creatures. Now, even as I'm talking in this message, I'm thinking about how out of touch most Westerners are because this is like science fiction stuff to us. But you guys realize there is an unseen world, a very sophisticated unseen world. It's, it's a hierarchy of leaders, and there are demonic principalities and powers assigned over this region. And there are demonic spirits, there are familiar spirits in your family line that love to prey on the sins of your previous generations and exploit them in your life. There are some of you that have addiction that runs through your family, divorce that runs through your family, perversion that runs through your family. Where, what is all stuff? It's demonic. And if you just act like, oh, man, I just got this problem, you know, I'm trying to overcome this problem. You know, you, your problem is much bigger than you think. Your problem is rooted in, in a spiritual issue that is enforced by demonic spirits. Much of what, you, it, how, you know, when, when you watch the evening news or you read the newspaper, don't just read it for what it says. There is a, there is a warfare going on for nations. There is a deception coming on planet Earth that is simply demonic. And if you're just looking at headlines or looking at who's the president or who's leading Congress or whatever, it's so much deeper and more profound than that. Our, the Bible says here we're not wrestling flesh and blood enemies. Our enemies are not Republicans or Democrats. Our enemies are demonic spirits that influence people. Every demonic spirit is looking for a body to attach itself to and to manipulate and to use. So this is why, can I just say this? We are receptacles of the Holy Spirit. He is also looking for somebody to attach himself to so that he could influence us and use us for his glory. 
So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, enemy, flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, authorities, unseen spirits, and uh, evil spirits in heavenly places. And I want you to notice there's not a period after the first uh, five words there. It doesn't say we are not fighting. Or in the good old King James, it doesn't say we wrestle not, period. <laughs> We're part of the church that wrestles not. No singlets allowed. No, you're wearing a singlet, all right? You're going to fight. You're going to wrestle. It's not optional. The choice is you're either going to learn to be good at it or you're going to get beat up. And like I said, this is so much more fun when you learn to win. And can I just encourage all of you, you're called to be winners, all right? You're called to be winners. So check it out here. God doesn't doesn't cause us to wrestle against the enemy because of our disobedience or failure. This is part of the on-the-job training. Can, can I just encourage you to look at it differently? The fact that we are called to wrestle is, is an incredible privilege from God. It means he's, we're on the team. It means we're in the fight. It's not like, oh, my gosh, it's so, life is so hard right now. I just don't know. You're getting a compliment if you can look at it in the correct way. The reason we face opposition and the reason we deal with strongholds is because we're moving and advancing the kingdom, and a stronghold is simply a massive demonic speed bump that God puts, or that the enemy try to put in our lives to trip us up or to cause resistance. Have any of you ever, ever done something? I'll, I'll give you a great example. I've heard this one over and over again. People say, well, you know, Pastor, I heard you talking about giving and being faithful to God and giving him the first and all that kind of stuff. So you know what? We're going to try that out. Some of you, you know exactly who I'm talking to because you've, you've experienced. We're going to try that. Can I just tell you, the last thing the devil wants in your life is to see you prosper. Because when you're prospering, you get generous, and other people get blessed. So you go, I'm going to try that tithing thing. You're just going to give it a try. You write that first check, you put it in the envelope, and all hell breaks loose in your finances the very next week. I'm not kidding. But you go, oh, pastor's a liar. The Bible's a liar. I tried it. My car broke down. I tried it. My dishwasher blew up. I tried it. We got bills for this and bills for that, and my kid had to be hospital, hospitalized, and, and oh, my God, I tried it. And the whole reason, because here's because you're not, you haven't been trained to wrestle well. You should have anticipated it. Because now for the first time, maybe in a long time, you're relevant to the enemy. Resistance means relevance. The devil's not going to resist you if there's not something he's trying to stop. And sometimes, have any of you ever had a vision from the Lord and you're like, you know what? I really feel like, I, you know, we've been so well loved in our life groups. I really feel, David and Gina, I, we, we, I think we're going to open up our home 
And, and we'd like to do that life group thing. We, we want to love, love people in the same way we've been loved. Awesome. Your first life group meeting happens. The dog probably pukes on the carpet. Um, everything that could go wrong on the day of your life group goes wrong. Some nice person comes and puts this happen in, our, in my mom's house on our, on our an antique table. But you put a hot coffee cup on the antique table and leaves this nice big circle. Isn't that amazing how that happens? In, in other words, I, I, I remember coming down the stairs at our house because I, I would disciple young people. So our house was full of young people. And on one of the pictures on the wall of one of our family members, some young person deposited a booger on the picture on the way down. <laughs> I'm like, there is a booger on grandma's face. Now, I wasn't going to let that booger take me out of the ministry, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but my point is this. As soon as you begin to do anything meaningful in the kingdom of God, you're going to experience resistance. And, and you should go, yes, hallelujah, I'm being obedient. This is awesome. Honey, look at the resistance we're getting. Yes. I told you we're crazy, but we're not crazy. You have an adversary. Why are you shocked every time you try to make a step toward God, every time you try to take a step toward the kingdom, every time you want to grow in your faith? Every, how many of you have ever done, I'm going to get up early in the morning and I'm going to pray, and then the week you're going to do that, you get hit with the flu bug. You're like, I ain't getting out of bed early in the morning. I'm not getting out of bed at all today. Have you ever put the connection together that after your resolution for righteousness, you get whacked? And so some people are just like, I ain't doing that church stuff. It's scary. You just got neutralized. You just became worse than unsaved. You became religious. So you look like a soldier. You dress like a soldier, but you wrestle not. Because every time you tried, you found there was somebody out on the mat waiting for you to engage you and whose goal was to beat you. And you decided, I ain't going to do this. I'm just going to go back up in the bleachers. I'm going to watch other people do this, which is most of the church. But how about this? How about you interpret opposition and resistance as a compliment. Hell is paying you a compliment. And then I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you how holy trash talk. All right, I'm going to teach you in two weeks. <laughs> because when you're getting complimented from hell, that's when you need to open your mouth and start the holy trash talk. That's when you pile on the enemy. And that's when you let him know, oh, yeah, 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 I'm picking up on this. You know what's about to happen to you. Oh, you don't. Let me give you a clear picture about what's about to happen to you. Y'all know what I'm talking about right here. Come on. 
This is when you start moving in faith and declaring. Not, it's not about boasting in yourself. You're boasting in what Jesus Christ has done for you. Uh, and you need to learn how to fight. And you need to learn how to engage the enemy. And so how many know that uh, we have been given spiritual weapons? In fact, take a look at this. 2 Corinthians 10.4. I use God's mighty weapons, not those made by men, to knock down the devil's strongholds. Isn't that good? I use God's mighty weapons. These are divinely powerful weapons, meaning that they have the power of God himself in them and on them to destroy Satan's strongholds. Now, notice, okay, you got somebody that's giving you grief, say, in the business world. Uh, they're not paying their bills. They're, 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 just, you're, you're, they're basically saying, go ahead and sue me, all right? Uh, take me to court. Um, you can either come home and grumble and complain and curse them and, uh, and, and oh, yeah, you want to see what, I'm going to teach you how to play hardball, blah, 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 blah. You, how many know those are the weapons made by men? Or you can use God's mighty weapons. Well, what are God's mighty weapons? How about prayer? How about thanksgiving? How about blessing the people who are not blessing you? How about sowing into people who are not sowing into you? How about forgiving people that hate your guts for no reason? Pastor, those are some weird weapons. Yeah, they're divinely empowered weapons for counterattack. When someone's arrogant and prideful and up in your face, then what, what is the weapon God's wanting you to pull out? Humility. Wow, spiritual weapons that come from God, that flow out of the heart of God. Isn't it amazing? Like, who thinks that what we do on Sunday is the most powerful, supernaturally energized time for breakthrough? Where on, let me just ask you, where on planet Earth do people get together in groups like this and sing songs? Where do unsaved people do this? They might go to some big concert and they got their phone out with their little light on. Woo! Um, but we do this on a regular basis. When you're going through a difficult time, I hope you put your praise music on in your home and you're walking through your kitchen worshiping the Lord. What are you doing? I'm winning a battle right now. I'm beating the daylights out of the devil right now. I'm securing the victory right now and the breakthrough right now, and I'm magnifying the greatness of my Lord. Where on planet Earth do people do this? That is weird. Yes, it's divinely weird. It's supernaturally weird. That's why, can I just challenge some of the, especially some of the guys here. I realize you, some of you are coming into a different culture. I mean, we got some good old Catholic folk here getting born again and encountering Jesus. It's great. But I always joke at our starting point class when we, uh, when we have some folks coming from a different tradition. And I say, and I realize the tradition's a little different. And I say, oh, it's just like living stones, right? And they'll go, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, the worship here is a little more expressive maybe than you're used to. But if you understood that you weren't just going through a ceremony, but that you were actually engaged in warfare, would you not open your mouth and, like, give it a shot? I'm just asking. 
If you recognize that what we do every Sunday is warfare and you're fighting battles, and I know you are, would you not open up your mouth and sing a little louder and sing a little stronger? And would you not do a little more passion? Because it's not just like, well, I'm not one of those, you know, charismatic kind of express. I'm not either. I'm just desperate. So I'm not here like, all right, all you, all you Christian reform folks, you know, I know where you're at. You ain't doing none of this kind of stuff at your church. I understand. I understand. But you know what? When you're desperate and we're not just going through whatever our prescribed religious cultures taught us to do, there's no teaching classes on this stuff. I mean, you know, when you're desperate, it's just like, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. And you know, you, people might be singing, but you're talking to the Lord right there. That's okay. That's still decent and in order. It's just called holy desperation. Remember when Hannah came into the temple, Eli thought she was drunk. The woman wasn't drunk. She was desperate. She wasn't going to church to play church. She came to church. She needed a breakthrough in her life. Oh, that, she, she must be one of them charismatics. Look at her up there making a mess out of the carpeting. She's crying, snotting up the place. No, she's desperate for God. So desperate. He was so out of touch, he thought she was drunk. The problem wasn't her. The problem was spiritual leadership that had lost desperation. None of that was in the notes, but that's some good preaching right there. <laughs> So take demonic opposition as a compliment, and I want to say this too. Have you, how many of you have ever prayed, Lord, show me your will? Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you a, a helpful hint here. The will of God can be most clearly seen in what receives the greatest opposition in your life. Because the devil hates the will of God. And the devil opposes the will of God. Think about the areas where you're being most challenged and you're trying to do the right thing. The reason you're being challenged is because you're doing the right thing and because you're moving in the will of God. We think the will of God means we get on the cruise ship and we get our wonderful soft drink and we kick our feet back and we're laying out in the sun and going, it is so great being in the will of God. No, you're on vacation. You're on vacation. The will of God doesn't look like that. The will of God is much more violent. Just go to some nations where people are losing their lives right now. They're in the will of God. It's costing them their lives. Uh, the will of God doesn't look like we think the will of God looks like. It's not like I'm in the will of God. Everything is going so great. No, that's the wrong way to understand and interpret the will of God. It means, you're, it means I'm telling you this. It means as a believer, there's always going to be places of opposition where the devil is pushing back in your life, always, as you're pursuing the will of God. Let me wrap this up. Nine. Yeah, we got 15 minutes, right? 9.30. I wasn't good in math. My dad was a math teacher, not good in math. Okay, this is really important too. You have an incredible amount of weapon, Ephesians chapter 6, there's only one spot you don't have any, on your backside. 
And there's a reason for that. Because can you please hear me? We're never called to turn and run. Ever. There's no provision for your backside. The thing God's trying to teach us, and this is, this is on-the-job training for reigning. He wants to teach us to face our adversary. That's how I said that the thing scary about wrestling is it's just you and your opponent. Nobody else. You have to face your biggest enemy, and you can't turn and run. And many people turn and run because the, the battle gets too intense, and they become professional runners. They'll go to this church, and then when people start getting close to their issue, it's too close. And they go to the church down the street, and they pick up an offense, whatever the offense is. That, oh, that church, yeah, no, that church cared enough about you to challenge you. That church cared enough about you to say, let's grow out of this area of brokenness. But instead of facing your opponent, you got a little nervous, and you turned and you ran, and then you went to the next church. And guess what happened there? Those people are messed up too. And the pastor there is a moron too. <laughs> and so then you go to the next church, and then you go to the next church. No, the problem is you keep running. And there is no grace for victory when you're running the opposite direction. In fact, I just want to say this loudly and clearly. This is military strategy, all right? Um, you can never win a war on the defensive. Think about Israel when David uh, showed up on the scene and Israel was entrenched 40 days and 40 nights. What did Goliath do? He came out in the morning and he came out at night. And what did he do? He trash talked them, he mocked God, he mocked them, he called them every name in the book, and they were deeply entrenched, no one was moving. It takes courage to get out of the trench. It takes courage to walk up to your Goliath. And it takes courage to face your Goliath. And it takes courage to believe the word of God. But there, you're never going to win a war when you're deeply entrenched in the status quo. Now, I'm just re reminding you all, it's ramping up again. We already drew our line in the sand. We're not going backwards. We're not hiding in our houses. We're not following arrows on the ground. We're not doing any of it. So, <laughs> hallelujah. We're not fighting with natural weapons. We're going to move forward in faith. We're going to face what's going on, and we're going to win. And we're going to have solutions, and we're going to keep loving people. We're going to keep being the church, but we're not going to play that game because you don't win when you hide out like a dog in a cave, all right? That's not how you win the war. So we're going to win. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to take ground. We're going to stay on the offensive. Let me end with this. Two verses. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus said, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Now, please hear me. We all have seen those churches where these goofballs are passing around rattlesnakes and it's supposed to be a sign of their faith. That is stupid. 
This verse is not talking about passing around snakes at church or we're going to put scorpions on the floor and we're going to worship in faith while they come up and, you know, run across our feet. No, that's not what it's talking about. These are pictures of demonic things. And the Lord says, you're going to crush them. And you're going to, you're going to, no deadly thing, no demonic assignment is going to hurt you. I'm going to give you the authority to crush them, and nothing's going to injure you that the enemy's throwing your way. That's Jesus' words right there. So you know what? Sometimes in worship, man, you got some stuff at your feet. If you just want to start doing some of this during worship, I won't think you're weird. Not that my opinion matters. Just crush some things under your feet, all right? Just give the enemy a good crushing under your feet. And these are, again, these are prophetic acts. Like we're not teaching, you know, clogging here at Living Stones. All right, if you're a clogger, that's great. Don't be offended. But I'm not teaching. I'm saying if you're ever doing this right here, that's okay to do because you're physically with your body demonstrating a reality of something that is true in the Word of God, and you're saying, devil, I am putting your ugly face under my feet. You will not win this situation. That's what I'm talking about. Matthew 16, verse 18, and I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, you're Peter, and on this rock, what, what rock? The rock of the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. This is so important. We are not here holding the fort until Jesus comes. I do not have an apostasy vision for living stones. Guys, Look around, because probably the person next to you is going to fall off the ship. There's only going to be a few of us left, probably just me and Pastor Dick, probably the only ones. <laughs> the rest of you all are going to apostatize. You're going to fall off the boat. You know, things are going to get bad, and not going to be very few of us left. God forbid that be prophesied over anybody in this place. Why in the world should you not be blowing and going and moving and walking in intimacy with God and winning battles and kicking down hell's gates until you are in the grave? Why in the world would that not be your vision? Why would you not believe God for that? So I'm not going to get into all this end-time stuff where people are planning on losing and failing and falling and freezing in their hearts against God. God forbid. We are going to stay on the aggressive we are on the offense. Those gates are gates of hell. Those gates are gates that say, you guys ain't welcome in here. Well, we're kicking the gates down because the planet belongs to Jesus. Your life belongs to Jesus. And we win. And so we're going to do big things at Living Stones. We're going to believe God for big things. How about this? We're going to do supernaturally big things that we can't do in the natural. We're going to trust God in the midst of challenges. How about this? You're not made to fight alone. We're going to lock our shields in this place, and we're going to fight for our brothers who are down or our sisters who are struggling and going through battles right now, and there are many of them, but we're going to lock shields, and we're going to fight, and here's the point, with the expectation that the authority is ours to win, we're going to believe God for victories, and we're going to keep fighting until we get them, and we're going to trust God with the outcome. Amen. But we're not going to 
be passive and we're not going to sit back and let the enemy bring the attack to us. We're going to bring the battle to him. Have you noticed this about good politicians? And I know that's an oxymoron. I'm closing. Good politicians. The good ones are constantly pushing their agenda so that you don't have time to nail them on the last little episode or crisis here. You're like, wait, that's illegal. Oh, wait, they've already made three more moves down here. And that's old news because they're advancing an agenda. The politicians that are lousy are the ones that get stuck in the crisis of the moment because their enemy is trying to paralyze them, and they play defensive, and they try to explain to everybody why they're doing what they're doing, and, and, and all that's demonic strategy to neutralize your agenda. So how about we do this? Let's just be so full of good works, so full of loving people, so full of believing God, so full of taking new nations for the Lord, so, so full of planting new roar schools, so full of blessing people, blessing people, blessing people. How are you going to pay for that? We don't know. <laughs> All right, let's go. Um, and, I, and please hear me, I, we're not financially uh, irresponsible with stewarding resources, but I mean, you know, sometimes God's not asking you to figure it out. He's asking you to move. And so if you keep that up, the devil's still trying to deal with the third thing we did back here. And we're like, devil, that's old news. We're way ahead of you. Because we're not letting fear dictate our agenda or unbelief. We're just going to keep moving forward. And folks that are advancing are hard to catch up. All right? The devil's like, those folks at Living Stones are wearing me out. Hallelujah. You're a loser. Go sit down and try to catch your breath. All right? We're going to keep moving in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Stand on your feet. I want to pray for us this morning. Is it okay if I raise my prophetic rod here? My, <laughs> my, my Dutch tool of instrument, all right, my instrument of warfare right here with almond paste. All right. No, I won't do that. But, Father, I just want to get real serious. There, there are people right now I know dealing with uh, battles. I'm trying to pump your heart with truth this morning because we can all pray for each other, and we should and we will. But I just got to tell you something. Sometimes battles are very personal, and it's because God wants you on the wrestling mat, and he wants you to face that demon, and he's trying to teach you how to win. Because when you win, then you want to go back out on the mat again. And then you want to go out again. And when they're raising your arm week after week, the arm of victory being raised on the mat, then you're going, I like this. And then you become a powerful weapon in the Lord's hand. So I want to encourage some of you that are going through challenges, get out there on the mat, step out in faith, begin to open up your mouth, begin to proclaim some of these verses that we're sharing with you in this series, and begin to take authority over situations and fight. And please hear me, expect opposition, expect some pushback. But when you get the pushback, let there be a holy giggle go on in your heart. Pastor told me this was coming, yes. And then you begin to press in even harder. And you begin to fight even harder. And you go deeper in the word. And you go deeper in prayer. And you go pressing into your walk with God. And you begin to see these things break off your life. You begin to see the enemy retreat. This is when you, I guess you, you, get, your, uh, you get your promotion in a military perspective. You, you begin to move in a greater 
uh, degree of authority and dimension, or, or, of authority over your life and responsibility over your life. So, Lord, I pray for promotions over people in this room this week. Lord, give us courage and give us strength and equip us as you already have in your wording. Help us to put the armor on so that we're ready to face these battles. And I just declare in the name of Jesus Christ, our champion, victory, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus our Lord, and we thank you for it. Now, if you're here this morning and you need agreement, you're at a, a weak place and you're just like, Pastor, I need somebody to pray with me and stand with me. That's what we're here for. Our ministry team will be up front. If you need healing, if you need a breakthrough in, in a situation, whatever it is, if there's oppression, whatever the enemy is dishing out your way, come get agreement uh, and let us strengthen your hands and strengthen your legs for, for battle. So, Lord, send us out of here now with love in our hearts and faith in our hearts that, to make an impact everywhere we go. We give you all the glory for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, and the whole church said, amen. amen. Come on, what about a shout of praise on the way out? Hallelujah! We love you, Lord! Amen, amen. Have a great week.